welcome to our continuing 2018 educational webinar series. I'm Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Specialist for First Healthcare Compliance. At First Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company, or skilled nursing facility. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. We are so pleased to have Kelly Ogle, an OSHA and HIPAA director from Doctors Management. Kelly provides OSHA and HIPAA training and consulting to help medical and dental practices maintain compliance within their facilities. She conveys the importance of a safe environment for employees while reducing the risk of penalties for the practice. In addition to delivering training, Kelly performs mock OSHA and HIPAA audits to help clients take corrective action to reduce the risk of penalties before they happen. She also contributes to the OSHA Bulletin and the OSHA and HIPAA Compliance Manuals produced by Doctors Management. Kelly engages her audience with enthusiasm as she conveys the importance of employee safety and patient privacy, as well as the details of protecting the practice from risks and penalties that result from OSHA and HIPAA violations. Kelly is a breath of fresh air to all who have the pleasure of working with her. Clients also appreciate that she has a hands-on experience as a registered dental hygienist. Kelly holds a Bachelor of Science degree in dental hygiene from East Tennessee State University and became, a license, became licensed to the administration of local anesthesia and the monitoring and administration of nitrous oxide. Kelly successfully completed a course in general industry for OSHA and is a certified healthcare OSHA professional through the American Academy of Provider Offices and Laboratories. She recently completed the Certified Medical Practice Manager training and certification through DM University and completed her master's degree in Industrial Organizational Psychology from Walden University. A copy of the slide deck is available for download on the control panel. Feel free to, to submit questions into the question box on your control panel during the presentation. We will address questions at the conclusion of the presentation. Your PACOM CEU certificate will be emailed to you from PACOM following the broadcast. There is no need to request it. Additional CEU opportunities will be available to BC Advantage members following the live broadcast. See their website for details. Kelly, go ahead. Hello and welcome to Ergonomics for Medical and Dental Professionals. Um, I'm going to present some information to you today about ergonomics and what you could possibly do in your offices to avoid any incidences uh, involving musculoskeletal disorders and um, how we need to address the risks and some statistics for or solutions um, and also any training or reporting. So with that, um, our objectives are going to be to go over ergonomics, any, uh, anything about ergonomics, what ergonomics stands for. Also, um, if you are not using any kind of ergonomics, uh, then you may experience some musculoskeletal disorders or what are called MSDs. This uh, we can address by some risk factors, finding out what problems that you may have and try to address those uh, accordingly before you actually have any difficulty with MSDs. We also go over some statistics, um, what numbers affect our offices and what we can come in contact with in our offices as far as um, what we're doing and uh, how often that occurs. Also, some solutions that we can go over and how we can treat that, possible ergonomic things that we can do as far as um, standing, sitting, uh, relieving some of that pressure that may be due to uh, tasks that we do within the office. 
We'll talk about training, making sure that we get our staff trained. Um, and if you are an employee, making sure that you do have some training on what you need to do and some of the tasks that you do and how to avoid having um, issues with your tasks and also reporting. What you need to do as far as um, are you having an issue and do you need to say something about that so that can be documented and also do you need to report that to OSHA. So we'll go over some of those, uh, any of that information that we talked about in the objectives and um, we'll go ahead and get started. So with our next slide we have definition of ergonomics. This is the study of people's efficiency in the working environment. Um, ergonomics is designed for all employees. This is not, um, I mean, this can happen to employers, this can happen to anybody out in the regular workplace, also within our homes. Um, but your job may involve stresses and strains that could result in injury unless you take the proper precautions. Now the positions that we may get ourselves into when we are doing our tasks at work could include pushing, pulling, lifting, and also just different awkward positions that we may put ourselves in trying to do our jobs. And um, there's also repetitive action. There's keyboarding. Um, you could be making calls and on the phone and how you uh, hold the phone or if you're on the phone for a long time, you know, does that cause any neck, shoulder, or uh, back problems? And then also some dental tasks or medical tasks that we do in our offices that are repetitive or um, something that puts us, like we said before, in an awkward position um, that we do day to day, every day. So. Um, if you do any of these tasks, they can interfere with both work and any home life um, doing those tasks and uh, what we do to our bodies and how, how we can treat those. So, the difference in good ergonomics and bad ergonomics. So, good ergonomics, we want to make the job safer. Um, we want to prevent any kind of injuries or illnesses that we have going on. We want to also kind of do a hazard assessment to kind of go over what possibly could cause us any issues. Um, so, but we want to make sure that we adjust the job that we're doing to us or us as a worker. Um, and then also as an employer, making sure that we um, are aware of certain things like this. How how do we make sure that our employees are not getting hurt by the tasks that they're doing? And, and we have to, um, like I said, be more aware and notice things uh, in the office that may be causing any problems. And then also make the job more pleasant by reducing physical and mental stress. Um, if, if you are having a stressful day, this can cause ergonomic issues because you're tensing up, you're, you're um, feeling uh, aggressive, and uh, a lot of times the body tenses up, the muscles tense up, and so this can cause a lot of problems. But it also serve, uh, saves money for the employee um, having to possibly, you know, not sure that their job's causing problems, maybe going to the doctor, um, seeing any problems uh, that are going on. And then also, um, this saves money for the employer too. Because if you're aware of what's going on and what's happening and you see this in your employees, then providing certain things or addressing the issue early enough can reduce that um, money that you may have to spend in the long run. Now, when we talk about poor ergonomics, um, these are bodily injuries that affect the worker. Um, these are, uh, if, if you are experiencing problems, and I'll, I'll give you an example in a minute, um, there are days off work. There's a reduction in pay because you're not there at work. Um, or you may not have any sick days left. And then there's recovery time. Um, the time that you take off because there are certain things in your job that you can't complete if you are hurt 
or have poor ergonomics, something something that you you cannot put into your job anymore because you are injured in that way. Um, and then also, like we said before, unnecessary expenses, things that we're spending on doing things um, that were they weren't proactive. Now you're trying to make up for uh, things that you've done wrong, and so. Those are expenses when you could have spent a little bit of time and money ahead of time and not ran into this issue. So um, when we're talking about ergonomics, ergonomics is a way to address uh, these issues. Um, they're trying to kind of make sure that you're doing proper ergonomics. Um, the way you sit, the way you uh, stand, um, the way you perform a task. Um, if those are not being done properly, then of course we have um, injuries. So ergonomics is what is done to prevent the injuries, which are called musculoskeletal disorders or MSDs. These are called, uh, or this is called musculoskeletal because it involves injuries that have something to do with your muscles and can also be tears or strains in the back, neck, and even your shoulders. Now these injuries can include the nerves, tendons, spinal discs, joints, cartilage. Uh, it can involve a lot of simple or complex body parts that we are working with every day. And the simplest tasks that you're, you're repeating every day, you may not realize the strain or stress that you're putting on the body until you can't do it, until there's something, um, until I apologize, um, until there's something that actually occurs. Um, so the um, workers in many different industries, occupations, can be exposed to risk factors at work, such as heavy lifting, items, bending, reaching overhead, also pushing and pulling heavy loads, working in awkward body positions, and performing the same or similar tasks repetitively. And as you see, this is a, um, a common occurrence. This is something that we do every day. Now, some people may um, have odd tasks that they do um, that they're constantly doing, and then some of us have a little bit more simpler tasks, but we don't realize the stress that we do put on our body because we think that we have a simple task, um, but we are actually increasing problems that we may have in the future. So exposure to these known risk factors for um, MSDs or musculoskeletal disorders increases the worker's risk for injury. So um, some examples of MSDs. This is carpal tunnel syndrome, tendonitis, also rotator cuff injuries. So these, um, the carpal tunnel syndrome, it involves nerve damage to the median nerve uh, that is pressure or squeezing on that nerve, and, it, and when damaged, it can cause tingling, numbness, and weakness in the hand or wrist. Now, tendonitis is an injury to a tendon, usually due to overuse, and is inflammation uh, affecting the area that the tendon is involved, such as the wrist, wrist, elbow, or the knee. If someone has a rotator cuff injury, um, this can affect a person's shoulder and the tendons and joints around the shoulder. This often occurs when you are doing like overhead actions. Maybe you're placing a lot of things on shelves or you're um, stocking shelves in, in the area where we have, um, you know, your needles or um, uh, any of the stock that you have in your room. And um, this, the, uh, there's a dull ache, a pain, and uh, often sleeping on your side of that shoulder can affect the person if you're having um, the uh, rotator cuff injuries. Now, epicondylitis is more often referred to tennis elbow. And so it affects the elbow and it's again caused from overuse. These symptoms affecting this are stiffness and soreness around the area, and then there can be also what is called a trigger finger. Now, the trigger finger, there's a pulley, um, or it's a sheath of connected tissue that kind of holds the tendon close to the bone in the finger, 
And so uh, what happens is when you pull, um, that tendon will run along your bone and um, pull straight up. But what happens is if, if that connective tissue starts to swell and you're having a problem with that, that's from, you know, uh, grabbing things, any kind of um, injuries to the fingers can swell that and then it can stop that from letting it move as freely as it was. Then there's also, of course, muscle strains and injuries to the back and particularly lower back, things that we may pick up incorrectly or um, jobs that we may do with proper, um, not having proper ergonomics or sitting in the chair correctly can cause us a lot of problems. Now, some risk factors. Of course, exerting excessive force. Um, examples like lifting heavy objects or people, maybe assisting people um, to the exam room, to the exam bed, um, in hospitals or in uh, nursing homes a lot of times. This is a big, big factor. Um, also, performing the same or similar tasks repetitively. This is performing the same motion or series of motions continually or frequently for an extended period of time. And then working in awkward positions or being in the same posture for long periods of time. A lot of times, if we have, um, we sit there for eight hours a day at our desks working on our keyboards, um, and some days you may not even pay any attention and look up and it's time to go home. And so this is what we don't want you to do. We want you to be able to get up, move around, um, get a drink of water, stretch, do some things so you're not sitting there. So using positions that place stress on the body, such as prolonged or repetitive reaching, um, also uh, reaching above the shoulder height, kneeling, squatting, leaning over the counter, wrist bent, or twisting the torso while you're lifting. And then localize pressure into a body part. So like if you're um, using the keyboard or um, working on the desk and you're constantly putting pressure against your wrist or hard or sharp edges, that can cause a problem. Um, things that you may work, um, maybe tools or instruments that may vibrate or um, so, for example, if you're a dental hygienist or you're in the dental field, a lot of times you have the drill, you have um, a, a polisher or um, what we do when we polish the teeth, and so that's a vibration, and that vibration can also cause hand and arm vibration and then damage small capillaries that supply the nutrients and make it hard for you to control the hand tools. Um, this can lose feeling in the hands and arms, and what happens is we increase the actual force exertion to actually control the hand movement. Uh, and this can affect also wearing gloves. You lose the feeling, the touch in, in the hands, um, as well as um, any, you know, wrists or anything uh, when you're doing that task for a repetitive long time. And then also combined exposure for just several risk factors. You place workers that are higher risk when, um, then when there's more things going on. So maybe you're, you're sitting for a long period of time, but also maybe you're using uh, a dental tool. And in that case, and you're also getting the vibration, you're sitting for a long period of time, and so you're putting pressure on two parts of the body something going on. Now, the statistics. We have uh, 507,000 workers suffering from work-related MSDs or musculoskeletal disorders in 2016-2017. 8.9 million working days were lost due to the work-related musculoskeletal disorders in this same year, in these two same years. And then also, human health and social work is listed fourth overall highest average of musculoskeletal disorders. And so that, that makes a big difference. Social work or human health, you know, going out to houses or assisting patients after surgery, um, helping them get up, because sometimes we don't, we don't have those people that may be the ones that actually assist the patient. Maybe the patient tries to get up and we have to assist them um, as part of that. And then we actually expose ourselves to tasks 
we may not normally do, and then that puts our bodies at risk. So um, here we have um, Homer, of course, wonderful Homer, and he's showing us what not to do if we have to lift um, any kind of packages, boxes, or anything that we may lift um, within any weight at, when we have to bend over to do that. So we want to use your legs. You don't want to use your back. Um, just like he's showing you there on the board, um, you want to keep the weight as close as possible to you. Um, keeping it away from you can put pressure on your back, and you also don't want to twist or turn um, and support that extra weight against you and pivot. So you want to pivot on your feet. Use your um, kind of swivel. Um, you don't want to use your body and twist. Then we have... Um, neck or shoulder pain. Here we see what we can do with uh, the headset or an earphone. Also, um, we have those uh, hands-free calling devices. And then the um, phone over there has that nice uh, receiver wedge that can help that. Um, so we see, want to offer these um, to employees or notice if they, they would need those. <coughs> Excuse me. And so these are things that we have to be more aware of, um, is noticing such things in the office um, that we could possibly address and avoid any kind of musculoskeletal disorders. Now, the next thing is carpal tunnel syndrome. Not only can it be dental hygiene or actual dental procedures that we use or ultrasonics, um, the vibration, um, you, you're going to experience it anytime that you have to use keyboards for a long period of time. Um, sitting there um, and having to work at the keyboard, you want to try to do some sort of ergonomic exercises about every two hours. Get up, move around, drink lots of water, and um, kind of vary your duties. So if you're sitting there for a long period of time, maybe you need to get up, walk around, go visit somebody else in your office. Um, go get a drink of water or get you a cup of coffee, whatever you need to do to kind of break yourself away from sitting there for a long period of time. Also, um, this can be an effect too. If you are sitting at a computer workstation all day, and that's kind of where we were going with the keyboarding, is um, positioning your body in a way that will be um, conducive to what you're doing. So your feet, thighs, forearms, they're parallel to the floor. Your calves, upper arms, back is perpendicular to the floor. Um, your wrists and head, and I'm going to show you a picture in a minute that's going to explain everything to you, but your wrists and heads need to be straight, um, straight on toward the computer, and then also your shoulders are to relax. Um, set. You don't want to have those tensed up and up against, um, you know, that's why I was saying the stress. If you let stress get to you, then your shoulders are not going to be as relaxed and it's going to cause a lot of tension in your shoulders and back and even your neck. Now, the terminal positioning. Don't try to position yourself at a terminal when you're turned or in a position where it can cause any problems. You want it straight in front of you um, at eye level. And uh, also, any kind of documents that you're using, you want those close as close to the terminal as possible so that you're not having to um, bend or um, turn your head or um, uh, like bend your head down or using your neck in positions that you shouldn't over a long period of time. <coughs> Excuse me. And so... So this is your correct sitting position. This is a very, very uh, good example of that. Um, you can either have your feet flat on the ground or a lot of us like to use the footrest. So it kind of brings your leg or your foot up just a little bit. Um, and that's where it says the lower legs at a 90 or 110 um, degree angle. So if you need to kind of stretch them out, put those on a um, footrest, that's going to make a difference. Now your arms are relaxed. You see that the wrists are straight and the fingers are relaxed. You're not tensing up. And the top of the monitor is at eye level. So you're not having to strain your neck to kind of look up at it or look down at it. So it's very comfortable in that position. And then your upper back is straight with your shoulders relaxed. 
And then the backrest, it's very important that you have a really good chair that's going to support you if you're sitting for long periods of time. And so the curve is at the lower back. The hips are as far back in, into the chair as possible because a lot of us won't tend to sit at the front of the chair. And I'm guilty of that a lot of times is sitting close to the end of the chair. Um, and so I've had to learn to kind of sit back. Um, I kind of work my way up all through the day, um, getting closer and closer to my computer monitor. Um, but adjustable seats, um, don't, don't bring in a chair that's uncomfortable just because um, I did that before. Uh, it looked cute with my desk, and I wanted to bring a nice uh, chair in, and it matched. Um, and then after a while, I thought, okay, this is not going to work. I'm going to have to get me a chair that's ergonomically sound um, and that's going to support my back better. So um, I had to go in and uh, purchase a better chair. So standing can make a difference, too. Um, if you realize that you're standing, I mean, you're sitting quite a bit, and, and possibly you could um, put your monitors up on something to lift them up or uh, put your computer up on something to lift it up and you could stand. Um, actually, one of my coworkers uh, has one of those, it almost looks like a TV tray and it kind of sits up um, off her desk. And so what she does is she'll stand and she'll have that, um, she'll push her chair away and she'll be standing at her desk and it actually relieves a lot of back pressure or a lot of pressure on her legs. So having a footrest, you can you can bring up your foot a little bit, um, not straightening or um, a lot of times people don't bend their knees like they should and so you don't want to get dizzy standing up there. Uh, and then also anti-fatigue mats, that can make a difference. That's going to take the pressure off your legs. A lot of hairdressers use this or a lot of people that have a lot of standing jobs like um, industry, working on a long, um, like a assembly line can make a difference too. So here's an example, um, this is a really good example too of what you're gonna do if you have to, if you're gonna do the standing desk or um, your computer station at a standing position. So you want to have, this is a little different um, from sitting, um, you want to have the elbows uh, some sort of 90 to 120 degrees, so it, it gives you a little bit more uh, openness to your elbows or to your arms. Um, you want to adjust that table height where it's going to give you that because your, your arm needs to be parallel to the floor. It doesn't need to be um, up or down. And then also your head and neck and shoulders still need to be relaxed. Um, still need to be in a proper positioning where it see, where you see the line of gravity. It's going to keep you straight up. And then also keeping the body neutral and in line. Your knees, hips, spine, shoulders, ears, they all need to, to fall within that line of gravity. And then avoid overstraining the knees. Like we were saying, um, you don't want to um, lock those knees. A lot of times um, you want that weight um, and comfortable shoes or like we were saying that uh, anti-fatigue mat um, but if you need to prop up a foot a lot of times that will take some pressure off your lower back too if you need to prop your feet up um, of course one at a time you don't want to do them both or you're going to be on the floor so here we have some ergonomic tools um, not only the standing desk as an ergonomic tool but also there's seating cushions um, there are torso support seats. These are good for chairside assistance. This right here is showing you someone that does ultrasound. And so one that does an ultrasound tech um, will use one of those torso support seats to help their side or back because they kind of have to lean over to the patient. Then you have um, the wrist brace. Uh, a lot of us in healthcare, if we have to use a wrist brace, we can't use it, of course, with our gloves, but those that work on the desk um, up front or work on the computer or keyboards can actually use one of those. Uh, I saw somebody the other day that was having to use one on each hand um, because she does a lot of keyboarding. Then also you have the headset or the wedge that I was talking about earlier um, and a footrest. Having a footrest is really good. Um, any of those, anything that you feel that can assist in what problem you may be having. Um, like, like I said, what had happened with me is that I had, um, 
I had a uh, lower back issue, so it was good for me to get an ergonomic chair. And so um, that's that's what I did with the ergonomic chair. And then um, there's also torso support seats and chair side, um, like we were saying, the torso support seat for the chair side assistance. Now you have um, protecting workers. The things that we can do to protect the workers. You want to provide management support. Um, this involves workers. Um, this uh, management support is a strong commitment by the management, and it's critical to the overall success of the ergonomic process. The management should define clear goals and objectives for the ergonomic process, discuss them with the workers, assign responsibilities. Um, two designated staff members, maybe someone needs to be in charge of your ergonomic issues, and then communicate clearly with the workforce. Um, involving workers, it's a participatory our ergonomic approach where workers are directly involved in work site assessment. Um, solution development and implementation is the essence of a successful ergonomic process. Workers can identify and provide important information about hazards in their workplace. Um, this allows the worker to be part of it and that makes them feel very important in um, what they're doing. So if you're an employee, be a part of um, the solution, you know, put your your word in. Um, so uh, this assists in the ergonomic process by uh, voicing your concerns, suggestions, um, evaluating the changes made and letting them know, did it work, did it not work, what you could do to better it. Um, and then uh, this ergonomic assessment, you know, you can look at the things that are being done in the office and realize the tasks that could be causing you a problem and what can you do to, um, that's, that's a lot of OSHA. Um, that's a lot of OSHA and OSHA does support this and ergonomics, it does go into this. It's actually, um, if you were to be cited, you'd be cited for the, um, for the general duty clause. And so this is part of it. So training, uh, provide training. Training is an important element. Um, it ensures that the workers are aware of the ergonomics and its benefits. Um, also what they have access to. Um, this informs them of the concerns in the workplace and also the very big uh, issue of reporting early symptoms, not letting it get way out of hand. Um, it's very important that you encourage the early reporting. So um, with the problems, identifying the problems, it's an important step uh, because you need to identify and assess the ergonomic problems and actually address them before you actually have the musculoskeletal disorders occurring. And then reporting, early reporting, it accelerates the job assessment, um, the, the improvement process, helping to prevent any kind of progression of the symptoms, and any kind of development of serious injuries or subsequent lost time claims. Um, so it's very important that uh, we stress Stress, stress, stress the importance of reporting or letting someone know. And then there's um, solutions to be implemented to reduce, control, or eliminate any kind of MSDs. Evaluation, making an evaluation process, what you're going to do, establish corrective actions, uh, procedures, and assess the actual effectiveness of what you've got going on for your ergonomic process. Uh, you want to have continuous improvement and long-time success. Same thing that you're going to do for anything that involves OSHA. You want to review it. You want to change it if it needs changing um, and assess it uh, at regular times to make sure that everything is still going smoothly, that you're not having any issues, and that you need to, uh, if you have goals set, what you're going to do, how you want to do it, and how you want it to work out. Um, this is uh, determining the success of the actual ergonomic solutions that you're going to implement into the practice. So, 
Um, some solutions. Big things about um, things that you can do within the office. Same thing with anything OSHA. Same thing with anything HIPAA. There's engineering, there's administrative and work practice controls that you can do. Um, now, personal protective equipment, this is more on the OSHA side. Um, engineering controls. So engineering controls you have reduce the weight of a load to limit force exertion. And then administrative and work practice controls, establishing the e efficient processes. So personal protective equipment also. Um, the administration is also like the heavy loads. If there's um, if there's one person lifting, maybe adding two people um, to limit the actual actual exertion that is being put uh, onto that. So establishing the uh, efficient processes that you need to do. The reviewing of the tasks that you're doing. Um, when we were talking about an assessment that you're doing, that's actual administrative or work practice controls. And then you have the personal protective equipment. Making sure that um, if you are working um, with your, if you're a person in the office that works with the gloves, having personal protective equipment, making sure that they fit correctly, because what can happen is if they don't fit correctly, if they're cutting off circulation, you're going to have problems, you're going to have um, grip problems, grasping things, um, and eventually have problems that way and could cause even carpal tunnel issues if you're cutting off the circulation at the wrist. Um, some care solutions that we're going to go over. Uh, you want to wear appropriate shoes for the job. Um, this can affect the way uh, that you're walking through the office, um, especially if you're standing a lot. Um, having those appropriate shoes makes a big difference. Um, good posture, uh, realizing that maybe you're not sitting as straight as you could be or maybe you need to adjust some things in your sitting or adding a cushion here or there, what you need to do so your posture can be positive at all times. And then getting regular exercises. That's probably, you know, stretching, um, getting up, moving around, but also if you're not doing a lot of exercise or even a moder I mean, just a small amount of regular exercise, a lot of times our bodies are um, uh, tend to be stiff or causing problems the older we get. And so the exercise, regular exercise, keeps our muscles in good condition, and so we don't have those issues. Um, sleeping on a firm mattress can make a difference. Uh, it can uh, affect, if you're not sleeping on a firm mattress, it can affect your back. Issues, um, also any kind of relaxation, not sleeping well, and then weight control. Um, any extra, I guess, exertion or um, stress on the body can cause more issues. Um, so this can be a difference. Uh, don't overexert yourself. Don't ignore the problem. Don't. And don't let it go too long. This And this part of ignoring the problem. What happens is a lot of people just don't play into the fact that they're actually hurting. Um, they uh, are, you know, trying to be tough or they don't want to be whiners and they, and they let it go on and go on and go on until it's out of control. And so once it reaches that point, then you're, you are going to have a musculoskeletal disorder. Now, the training. We have training procedures. Uh, making sure that um, there's principles of ergonomics and the applications, what you can do, proper use of the equipment that we're using within the practice, um, good practices. Uh, if we are having to lift or assist patients, knowing how to lift those patients, knowing how to assist them, um, awareness of work tasks, and um, that it may cause pain or injury recognize any kind of early symptoms. This is all things that must be gone over during a training. And, and going over this is going to help your ergonomics program in your office. Uh, realization of the importance of reporting and addressing before actual serious injuries occur and understand proper recording, uh, making sure that you know what can be done. So the training is an important element of the ergonomic process. Making sure that you conduct this in a language or vocabulary that everybody understands 
and um, those who have experience with ergonomic issues uh, in a particular industry, making sure that you address those properly. So parts of reporting. Um, it is very important um, that we assess um, our goals, um, diagnose any issues that we may have going on, and treat those issues. So these are our goals that we want to go for. And um, comprehensive injury reporting is important. It's, it definitely applies to the success of the program or the process. And then the goal of this this effort is to properly assess, diagnose, and treat MSD. Um, early reporting, diagnosis, intervention uh, can limit the actual injury severity and then improve the effectiveness of treatment, minimize the likelihood of disability or permanent damage. Um, this can be permanent nerve damage. Uh, I mean, this is serious stuff. So um, some people just tend to write it off, but we need to pay close attention to it. And this also reduces workers' compensation claims. This will allow the employer to correctly identify work areas and specific tasks where injuries frequently occur or are most severe. This information also helps to direct the activities of the ergonomic team and also guides the healthcare providers in making return to work and light duty work decisions. OSHA's injury and illness recording and reporting regulations. This is very important that we do this and require employers, they require employers to record and report any work-related fatalities, injuries, or even illnesses. Some of us may have to turn in the 300, 300A, or 301 form. Um, not all of us do. Most of us are exempt. You need to check and make sure that you are exempt or if you need to keep record of it, please keep record of that because they'll ask you to actually turn that in. So we need to make sure that we do that. Um, so as part of reporting, we need to reinforce the worker training on recognizing the symptoms of MSDs and then encouragement. So encouraging the uh, early reporting of any kind of symptoms we need to pay close attention, allow for prompt medical evaluation for diagnosis, treatment, and follow-up. There should be a reduction. This reduces injury, um, the reduction of injury, severity, and the numbers of compensation claims and associated costs, and the actual likelihood of permanent disability. And then a provision, which means providing guidance on return to work or work placement, restrictions on actually having the person being in a healing process, and then guiding uh, job modifications, the guidance of modifying uh, your job to what you need to do now, especially if you've experienced musculoskeletal disorders, and then documenting, provide a mechanism some sort of mechanism to actually track and keep the MSD injuries listed somewhere. And then enabling or um, enables the assessment of effective and uh, of those work changes, making sure that somebody is there um, in charge of that, either it's the employer, it's somebody that's in charge of the ergonomics, your safety program, your OSHA program, whatever you want to call it, just making sure that somebody is looking out for the employees and making sure that uh, we are reducing the chances of getting musculoskeletal disorders. So I just want to hit some main points. Um, you need to, to be able to recognize the symptoms, making sure that whatever task you're doing, um, if you are having, I mean, it can really affect the way you, uh, your job performance. So making sure that you recognize the symptoms of musculoskeletal disorders uh, and applying a great um, some ergonomics into your program, making sure that proper things are done, knowing the risk factors, and we went over those, making sure that the proper ergonomics that I was saying to avoid the MSDS or the MSDs um, report symptoms immediately. Do not let them linger on. 
Um, if you have an issue, please speak to your HR department, whoever's in charge of any kind of injuries or illnesses. Seek medical treatment. Um, go ahead, report it, say something, and if, and if you need to go ahead and get medical treatment, go ahead and do that. Document, report any of these injuries. Um, this will be uh, either you reporting it, reporting it, and then the safety person making sure that it gets documented. Um, training the staff to be able to recognize the symptoms, the risks, reporting, making sure that um, everybody is aware of ergonomics, uh, musculoskeletal disorders, symptoms, risk factors, things that you can do, um, things that are in place that you're going to offer them. Uh, going through all this will be the success of your ergonomics program. So um, if you have any questions, um, we're gonna, I'm going to go ahead and turn this back over to uh, Catherine and let her um, sum up everything for us. Okay, thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, that was a really wonderful presentation. And we did have a few questions that came in. So the first one, um, first one was this, um, do you feel that standing desks are worth having in the workplace? Um, I, I feel that um, for, for those that want a standing desk and are having problems with sitting or um, having issues, I do think it's a worthwhile uh, investment. Um, like I was saying with somebody in our office, dealing with issues of sitting for long periods of time. And then also we travel a lot. And so we have to sit in the airport. We have to sit in the airplane. And so a lot of times just, just the difference in being able to stand up um, and make that change uh, can help us ergonomically. So I, I do. I think it's a very good in investment for the office. They have those uh, ones that, you know, that, um, I know I used to have one that you could raise up and put back down. That's a nice option sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, well, you I mean, you have the actual desk that will be able to uh, do that, and then you can right. also just add something to your desk. So, I mean, True. whichever is kind of financially good for you. Um, right. But, you know, I would, I would probably suggest trying something simple first, seeing how right. it works for you, and then if you want to go ahead and invest some more money, then, then I would do that way. Okay. All right. Um, we had a, a second one here. It says, um, what ergonomic issues have you experienced in your auditing of medical and dental offices? That's a good one. Um, actually, that's the story I was going to tell earlier is um, I had a, a hygienist uh, in one of the offices that I actually audit and, and uh, work with. And she had asked me, you know, what she could do because uh, she was having a lot of back strain, a lot of back issues. And she was having to go to a lot of doctor's appointments and chiropractic appointments and trying to get everything straightened. I mean, she'd worked in, um, I guess, 12 years in a pediatric dental office and having back pain and everything. And, and there was really, she suggested to the um, the dentist to go ahead and try to get her something different to work with. And it, it wasn't an option for him at that time. And so it was very difficult. She actually ended up quitting um, because she couldn't do it anymore. Um, but sometimes our jobs, you know, uh, put us at risk for something like that. And so she she did have a lot of back problems. But that's that's the biggest thing is that I do see uh, neck and back problems, not necessarily shoulders as much. Um, or elbows, sometimes risk or car carpal tunnel syndrome, but mainly back. Um, I see a lot of back and neck issues. Okay. Um, and then uh, do ergonomic injuries have to be reported to OSHA? Um, n not if they uh, do not result in a hospitalization or um, any kind of uh, permanent uh, injury. Um, that has to be, it has to be something that's hospitalization or uh, amputation or anything like that. That will directly be reported to them within eight hours of the actual injury. Um, otherwise, most of us um, that I was saying before, most of us in medical and dental offices are exempt from anything like that. And so um, you need to check and make sure ambulatory care service 
I think is one of the big ones that have to report now. Um, but as far as reporting, we just have to re uh, record it. So if we ever are asked about our injuries or anything by OSHA, that we do have that available to us to give to OSHA, but we do not actually have to call them and report it unless it has to be an, an actual hospitalization. Okay, then I think I think then probably this would be the same answer, but um, we had a similar question. It's can OSHA fine an office for ergonomic issues? Um, they they can uh, the same thing with recording. It could be the recording if you didn't record it, but also. Um, Ergonomically, if they saw that the employer wasn't trying to uh, resolve an issue uh, that an employee was having and the employee actually called and complained on the issue and OSHA came in, what they're going to do is what I was saying earlier is they find you under the general duty clause. It would be under the general duty clause because there's not a standard, an actual standard for it, but they would, they could, they could find you. Okay. All right. Um, okay, that's good to know then. Um, and then we had one more question is, um, or can an employer be responsible for something related to ergonomic issues? Um, and, and it's kind of like it covered on that last uh, question or answer is um, they can be. Uh, they, that's why it's very important to put a training program in place, an ergonomics program, um, and actually seeing that an employer is doing something proactive is very good for the employer. Um, so if, if OSHA were to come in there for a reason, maybe other than ergonomics, and they saw that they were doing a lot of uh, proactive things to make sure that employees did stay safe, if they did find something, a lot of times they'll reduce the, um, the fines. Uh, even though if they get cited for maybe an ergonomic issue, the citations will be a lot lower or the fines will be a lot lower because they actually see a proactive event going on uh, to assist the employees. So it really looks good on the employer that they're doing something. Okay. All right. Well, I think those are all the questions that we had come in. But um, if, if our attendees uh, think of... Uh, other questions, um, attendees, you can certainly use um, the contact information on the screen for Kelly. And if you think of something later, you can send questions in and we'll forward them on um, to, to Kelly Ogle. And uh, you can also register for future webinars or request a demo of our compliance solution on our website, which is firsthcc.com. You can call us also at 888 543-4778. And Kelly, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us thank uh, you. today. Yes, thank you so much. And attendees, thank you so much for joining us. And um, hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you. Thank you so much.